Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today I'm talking with Barry Milazzo, author of All the King's Horses. Barry's the father of three. The passion of his life and ministry is to lift up Jesus Christ, who he sees as the magnificent God and King. He considers Jesus the answer for every human problem, every broken dream, and every impossible situation. The author lives in New Jersey, and for more inf- information, you can visit allthekingshorsesministry.com. Welcome, Barry. Thank you so much, Cheryl. It's uh, my honor to be on your program. Welcome to you. Uh, you know, you fit, uh, along with most of the people I interview, very well uh, the, the people who are researching something called post-traumatic growth. Uh, they, they identify five areas where people grow when they, when they have trauma and then struggle to heal from that. I would say you're an excellent example of one of those five things in particular, um, which, which is um, that some individuals experience a deepening of their spiritual lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and certainly in your book, that was very evident that that, that aspect of living for you has, has become so central. Uh, I get the impression it was certainly not absent before, but really mm-hmm. deepened. Can you just share with the listeners for, uh, starting out, uh, what, uh, what happened in your life, the subject of the book, of course, that brought about this transformation for you? Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, my brokenness came through my, my son's brokenness, Cheryl. Um, I had just about everything going for me that uh, a man could have going for him or a person could have going for him. Uh, beautiful wife, beautiful do- two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, uh, career in commercial real estate in Manhattan for one of the, the nation's uh, most powerful real estate companies, uh, making a lot of money, um, and another child on the, on the way, uh, a boy. So how much better could it really be going? One of each. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that, that actually lasted um, about eight months into my son's life, my baby boy's life. He was healthy. He was precocious. Uh, he uh, was advanced by all the ways they measure developmental milestones. And at about eight months of, of age, uh, through uh, a series of uh, his vaccinations, he had a autoimmune response against his own brain, uh, his central nervous system, and, um, and he was very profoundly and deeply brain injured. Um, he nearly perished, and when he survived, uh, we, we took him to just about every hospital on the East Coast, Boston Children's Hospital, Columbia Presbyterian, Johns Hopkins Institute in Baltimore, everywhere in between, um, 
And the prognosis was consistent. This child will never, uh, he's lucky to be alive. He'll never walk. He may never speak. He will be uneducable except to uh, very rudimentary levels. So obviously we were, we were crushed um, by this reality, uh, Cheryl. And that was the beginning of, you know, the brokenness in my life was the brokenness in my, my baby boy's life. You know, uh, one thing I've heard a long time ago, and it stuck with me, is that if you really want to torture someone, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, dictators, for instance, who torture people, the worst torture is torturing somebody that you love. Mm. And I was thinking about that as I read read your book. Um, I, I've, of course, interviewed people who have lost children, which is which is such a profound, profound loss. Um, but, but what you experienced is, experienced is an ongoing kind of assault on your protectiveness and your uh, uh-huh. impulses as a parent uh, that was so evident to me in reading some of the experiences you had. Yeah, I, I think that's a good analogy, Cheryl. Um, and I so feel for... Um, parents who have lost their children. I know some of them. Um, and, uh, I, I honestly would never, never trade places with them. Uh, the grief and the loss is so deep. On the other hand, uh, what we experienced was similar, um, because the child we had and knew was, was 100% different. He was completely taken from us. And in fact, at these institutions that I just mentioned and, uh, with some other professionals, they kept telling us, "You need to grieve the loss of your son. You need to you need to let him go. That child that you had is gone." Mm. Uh, and 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 but my question was always, "Well, I I understand that. I need to deal with this somehow, uh, and I need to process and grieve my way and go through all of the levels of grief." But does anybody remember he is still alive? Mm. He still needs care. We need to do something for this child. We can't. We can't just bury him. Yes. Uh, he's in trouble, and and we were in crisis mode. What do we do for our child? Everybody was saying, you know, this is what you do for yourself. You need to grieve this. You need to to process this loss. My son was in deep, deep trouble, and that's the really the journey that I tell in my book. Uh, it's a thirty-year journey of how. We, and, and later I, I, I've been doing this alone for about 17 years as a single dad. Um, how do you provide for a brain-injured child? Um, I knew nothing about it, uh, but I was about to learn, and I was in the deep end of the water, and, uh, and I, needed, I needed something. I needed someone, which gets back to your first question, um, and I, you know, had some choices. I could, I could anesthetize myself with, you know, drugs or alcohol or some other modes of, uh, you know, forgetting and dealing with the situation, which are obviously not effective. Uh, I could, um, and, I could give and, up. uh, time limited as well. You, you can't yeah, do that yeah. forever. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't. And I had another, I had another, I had a baby girl. I had a, a three-year-old daughter and, you know, and a family. And, and so, you know, uh, instead of uh, giving up, I really felt the only way to proceed was to look up and say, God, Lord, do you have a way for us to proceed? 
Because if not, I'm done. I, I don't know how to deal with this situation. And so, you know, my journey is really a, a journey of, of learning about the grace of God. And uh, I, I will say, as you've said in your introdu- introduction to anyone, I can look anyone in the eye and say, you know, this 30-year journey has often has been different than what I expected. It's been something less than what I wanted many times. But the Lord always provided a way to proceed, and he showed me that he was present. And, and I knew that if he was present with me, I could take that next step, and then the next step after that, and the next step after that. He, he and his grace have never disappointed me. I can, I can be very honest with people in saying that as well. The other thing that struck me is, you know, of course, um, in my business as a as a counselor and um, healer, uh, one of the things that always comes back is is the idea that we have to differentiate between what we can do and what is not up to us. Uh, that's just, you know, the serenity prayer, of course, uh, differentiating uh-huh. um, that wisdom. Uh, you applied, you didn't just... Uh, kind of say what whatever you say I'm right here doing nothing uh you and your son both I would consider quite extraordinarily tenacious mm. uh which which to me is the part maybe you and he played too because uh wouldn't most people hearing from all of course most people would go to all the experts right <laughs> you know yeah. you're desperate for an answer but once every single one says there's nothing you can do you know there's no way to recover any of his uh, abilities most people would stop there wouldn't they 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 would and in fact uh that's kind of the way we were treated it with you know so and and some well-meaning professionals i mean they were great i i think they were all well-intended obviously they're in the professions that they're in uh both therapists and doctors to help people but with a particularly back you have to remember this was in the late 80s and um it was it was new territory to consider that the brain uh was uh resilient uh as is far more accepted now and really understood now but the, the concept of the plasticity of the brain and that neurons can grow and new pathways can be forged and formed, uh, but they don't just happen. You, you know, just like a, a, um, an Olympic gymnast uh, or someone who g- dreams of being an Olympic, Olympic gymnast doesn't just show up in the, uh, in the gym one day and start using the rings and the horse. And, uh, you know, he, he needs to put in countless thousands of hours of torturous repetition in order to each reach each uh, gain and milestone. And that was really what we were faced with with my son. Uh, we, uh, uh, Cheryl, we came under the auspices of a group called the National Association of Child Development, which is based in Utah, but they had a New York branch. And Bob Doman, who was the head of that, came out and said, you know, look, I, I cannot promise you that your son will ever walk or speak but I can promise you this, if you do what the doctors and therapists are telling you to do, that just do a modest amount of work with him, you know, three therapy sessions a week with speech and with occupational therapy and with speech therapy, that is a self-fulfilling prop- prophecy. Your mm-hmm. son will never get anywhere except a wheelchair, uh, and he will, he will do the things 
that you're being told he'll do, which is essentially nothing. Uh, and so we said, look, what, was, what do we have to lose? It was really recommend that, that perhaps you should institutionalize your son. Is that correct? One of the most crushing uh, times was a four-day stay at a hospital where the, the dean of pediatric neurology, I won't mention his name, but he's a wonderful man and a wonderful doctor, but he, uh, after all the tests were done and four days of probing and prodding my son with, you know, just uh, torturous uh, tests and things that you never want to see your child go through, he leaned over and he said, you know, based on what we're finding, you know, again, he's not going to walk, he's not going to speak, he will be educable only to very, very uh, rudimentary levels, but, you know, some, and he leaned over and with a hushed tone, he said, some parents consider putting these type of children in an institution to live. Mm. And I was appalled. I would never consider that. And I, I wouldn't criticize those parents who would decide to do that either, but you know, for for me, this was my son. I I couldn't accept that conclusion. So you're you're absolutely right, Cheryl. That that we were advised in that re- in that way. Yeah. Well, and also there's a. Uh, this was not at all the theme of your book, but I was thinking of people I've encountered in the course of my work and life, who uh, actually can't afford to not do that. Uh, <laughs> you know, there is a an economic component too of of. Um, you know, having enough resource, like if someone has to work three jobs or two jobs to survive, yes, uh, they just can't do those things. And it it made me so aware of of the t- kinds of tough decisions people are up against every day who who are carers of someone who's severely disabled in whatever way. Well, that's that's right, and that's why not only would I hesitate, I just wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't criticize someone who's making a decision based on their love for their their loved one, um, what what they can what they can offer, and what right. and every situation is different. Also, Cheryl, as you well know, so right. You know, but for us, we just sensed that there was something in our son. You could see it in his eyes. There was more in there that had to be brought out, and so we were challenged by the NACD. To, to give it a shot, and uh, we were going to give it the best shot we could. And, 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 you know, as you said, it takes some changes. Uh, I was working in Manhattan, and I decided, you know, I actually handed in my resignation at that time. I was working for, you know, one of the largest companies in, in, uh, in, in the country, and I went to the president's office. I was an officer then, and I just said, I'm offering my resignation. My, I, I'm going to somehow work closer to home. And he looked at me and said, you are not going to resign from this company. We will give you every means of support that we can. And I said, well, here's the first thing you need to know. I'm going to work half days. And one of the things that I realized is that when I did that, I was getting up at 4 in the morning to go in and come home at 1 in the afternoon to work with my son for three hours. Uh, and, uh, you know, it somehow the crazy schedule that I had to put together began, began to show some, some benefits for my son. And uh, this is just a peculiar thing, Cheryl. I, I started making more money. I, 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 I do not say that as, you know, follow what I did and you'll do this or God will bless you. I don't believe that. I, I think he decided to do that for a time because, as you know from my book, mine is a riches to rags story. <laughs> I mm. later became broke, and not 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 during that juncture of the uh, of the journey for that about twelve years. But uh, the Lord provided for me 
the money that I would need later when my own health began to falter and I was underemployed and, and nearly lost everything and nearly became bankrupt. I had something to fall back on. But during those days when my son was in the deepest trouble, I was able to work half days commuting to Manhattan and coming home half days to, to work with my son. So it was a, there was a way to proceed. And that's when I, when I say, you know, the Lord will show you the next step. There, it'll be individual. It'll be different, in my view, for each person. But as you well said before, uh, it, it, and I consider there's an order of things, uh, the order is this, faith trusts in God and then does what it can in the face of impossibility. So put your trust in him and, show you, and then do everything he tells you to do, as if it depends on you, but knowing that he's there and that, and that the increase will come from him. I, I believe he will do that for any person. Uh, but I, I also... I hesitate to, to define victory on any terms except heaven's terms, because sometimes the victory uh, that he'll show us won't look so victorious to those around us. Um, and I, you well, know, I must tell you, after all these years, my son is still handicapped, so I'll take a breath here. I know you probably won't ask some questions about that, but I, you know, to me, it was victory because he was able to maximize who he was as a person. And I will, I, if I had a thousand times to do it over again, I would do it a thousand times the way the Lord led us to do it. Well, and it, it is almost time for our first break, but one thing I'm very aware of is that it involved my perception of you to start out with, from, only from reading your book, obviously, we've never met, is that you were quite a can-do person, you know, y- you had a lot of energy, you had a lot of drive, and uh, but this this experience to me required some other things as well, like knowing when you couldn't do it by yourself and, you know, uh, some, some real surrender to uh, your limitations as well, which sometimes people do have a hard time when, when they're geared one way, right, to uh, mm. find, those other, find those other skills. So to me, that's also a remarkable part of your story, all the people that helped you. And let's come back to that after the, after the break. Great. Look forward uh, to talking about that. Listeners, you'll find links on my website, social media, at the Good Grief page at Voice America to uh, connect with me in the way that you prefer. And to find Barry Malazzo, go to allthekingshorsesministry.com. Back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues, anxious, parenting challenges, no more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Barry Malazzo, whose life was deeply impacted by the mental and physical disability at a very young age, young age of his son, Bryson. And before the break, Barry, we were, we were talking about uh, those moments that you described so well in your book of having to realize that you just couldn't do everything that Bryson needed by yourself and you, you needed to find... Uh, find and surrender to to really being helped by other people, and I I was hoping you could talk about that a bit. Uh, I had, I am so delighted to talk about that because it's an important part of the story, as you say. Um, I, we were we were off and running under the auspices of the NACD, um, doing some things that were showing some signs of hope for my son. Um, uh, in terms of making him uh, more alert and brighter. And we had all these aspirations of he's going to speak, he's going to walk, he's going to come all the way back, his brain's going to come back. But we had no idea, uh, no idea how hard it was going to be. And quite honestly, uh, I reached a point very early on, you know, just a few months into this process where I crashed. I mean, I was getting up, working half days in the city, coming home, uh, trying to get my son, you know, and a young child who's brain injured does not happily see you come in the door wanting him to put him through torturous repetition of. Uh, Indeed, that's of, that's the difference. Yeah, that's the difference between this and somebody who's training for the Olympics. They really want to do all those things, right? right? <laughs> you got that right, and and so, you know, I went back, and we had such stress on us as a, as a as a family and another child and. And, and and I just went to her name was Barbara Fry who was one of the directors of NACD and I said Barbara we're just we're gasping for air here I you know how are we going to do all these hours of, it, it, we're we're an imbalanced family now and 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 we're we're we're, we're fatigued and we feel like we're on the verge of collapse yes our son is making some progress and she just smiled and she said well now you're ready for what I want you to do I said what's that she said you need volunteers. I said, well, you know, why didn't you tell us that before? And she said, because you weren't ready to hear it before. Yes, yes. And so what we did with uh, Barbara's help is we put together some flyers for Bryson with his picture on it. He's a beautiful boy. 
and we put them in churches, we put them in store windows in town in Glenrock, New Jersey. Uh, the best place was John's Boy Pizza in downtown Glenrock, New Jersey. The you know the the proprietor hardly spoke. Well, he spoke good English, but you know he was he had a thick Italian accent, and he said, "Mr. Milazzo, we see what we're going to do." And that man, and maybe he was 140 pounds soaking wet, flipping pizzas, but he brought teenagers, high school students. It was the hangout, his place. They were calling me. They were responding. They were, we had volunteers, two by two, senior citizens. Uh, it was a real community effort, and they came in and, in and out. Two by two, we scheduled them. I had to be there because my son, with his uh, obstinance, uh, and his brain injury, he wouldn't do any work unless I was the enforcer. So I needed to do out of the discipline and some of the enforcement. But these kids and these senior citizens, they made it fun for him. They tickled him. They they hit him with uh, with pillows, they had pillow fights. They they uh, you know they he looked forward to them coming over. So it was almost like he was not working quite as much. And we gave him rewards as he moved forward. So. One way or another, and I talk about God's grace a lot in this story, but, um, you know, Cheryl, most often I have found that God will work through people, and he'll offer his grace and hope through other people. But as you say, we need to be willing to receive that help from others. If we think we can do it by, by ourselves, without God's help and without the help of others, we're, you know, we're dead in the water. And, and I would have been, and I was, until we open the door to let these volunteers come in and help us. So that's, that's part of the, be the beautiful part of the story. I think one of the most beautiful parts of the story is that, you know, people came around us when, when we so desperately needed it and our son so desperately needed it. And then that causes me to think about, uh, in particular about the teenagers, how that impacts a life to, to offer that kind of service uh, you know, year after year in this case, and learn about the rewards of that. Um, because I don't mm. think that uh, necessarily uh, our culture is geared that way. Uh, some particular groups of people are, we could say. But imagine, mm -hmm. I don't know if you're in touch with any of them now, but... Um, I have to think that impacted some choices that all of those young people made in their lives about what was important and, you know, uh, I, I would, who, I would, who they wanted to be in the world. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And some of them are now in therapy themselves, uh, physical therapists. Uh, I am in touch with some of them. Uh, some of them are professionals. You know, it's, it's always been my hope that my son's pain would give something back and our family pain would give something back to other people. And I, and I trust it has. I hope it has. And I, I believe it has. Um, so, you know, that's another beautiful part of the story is you let people help you. They can be, and my son, who's an inspiring person, uh, and uh, he's still challenged at 30 years old, but I'm sure we'll get to that. But, you know, he, yes. it, 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 nothing uh, just gives me more joy than to know that his pain and his struggles uh, have helped other people and inspired other people not to give up in life. So uh, you're quite right, and it's, it's, it's been my privilege to know some of these people and to, and to give something back to them as well. 
And that brings me to, you know, you said we'll get around to talk to that, uh, you know, his, uh, where he did get, I, I, uh, something stood out to me reading the book, which is that it's so very difficult for us as human beings, at least in this culture, I don't know about elsewhere, to hold on to what we've accomplished uh, mm-hmm. We accomplish things, and then we're thinking about the next thing to accomplish. But as a reader, I was looking at, my gosh, this kid was expected to never do really anything. And then mm-hmm. why don't you describe some of the things that he came to do? Because I found it quite uh, astonishing mm-hmm. what what the program that you engaged in allowed for him, what it opened up for him. Could you talk a bit about that? I'd be delighted to. You know, so he was never going to walk, and we had our battles with school systems. It would have been easier for them just to pop him in a wheelchair. And I said, my kid's not going in a wheelchair. And they said, well, he's crippled. He's never going to walk. I said, don't say that about my son. He's going to walk one day. He did walk when he was 10 years old, it wasn't perfect. And honestly, at 30 years old today, he still has cerebral palsy, but he made it. And he also got to the point, uh, Cheryl, where he was able to participate in sports. Uh, and one of the things, and, and I think that God has a sense of humor. And when I say that, it's not that he enjoys allowing things that, that happened to us, like what happened to my son, um, you know, I may ask God about that someday, why he allowed it, but I, I trust him. And I, and I, the way I say to other people these days is, you know, if you, if you get a hundred years in this world, it's just a blink of an eye. Uh, you know, and, and the way I see it is, uh, from a biblical perspective, forever is forever. You know, here is a very temporary thing. This is not home. This is more of a testing ground and a, a, a place to deal with our own pain and to help others with theirs, and to and to come to know who God is, and so, uh, you know, it's 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 a heartbreaking story still. But he, uh, you know, we just had the Super Bowl. My son's Super Bowl was learning to walk, mm-hmm. and in my view. He's a greater champion than any of the players on that field because he never gave up and he did participate in sports. He, he played baseball. He never dribbled a basketball, but he played basketball. Um, he, he actually played hockey. The other kids were on rollerblades. He was in sneakers. He would hit the ground. He was a tough kid. He would get back up. Um, you know, his, his life, you know, God gave him back many of the things that were never supposed to happen. As far as never speaking, if you spoke to him today, you'd have a very pleasant conversation. He speaks just fine, although you'd know in about 10 seconds of conversation that he remains a child, and he'll always be a child in this world. But that's another thing that I truly will praise God for forever, because Jesus said, you must become like a little child in order to enter the kingdom of God. And, and my understanding of that, Cheryl, is that, you know, we all need to become a little bit more like my son, not as arrogant as I can become, thinking, you know, I can accomplish this and I can accomplish that and I can roll up my sleeves. 
it's just a simple trust in who God is and a thankfulness for, for everything that, um, that we can have in life. And so, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm inspired by my son. He did, he did accomplish some truly great things as heaven defines greatness. Uh, and yet I think, you know, the world would just say, Hey, there's a kid who he wobbles when he walks and he can't think, think too deeply and he still has emotional problems and he's got, he still has a world of problems and hurt in his life. But, you know, he loves family. He loves Jesus. He, uh, he loves other people. He inspires them. And I'm just so thankful to be part of his story. Um, you know, it's so... And that's it's, why I wrote about it. It's so interesting because if you have... Well, my, my grandsons are visiting me right now. They're three and five. And such a delight. That um, unawareness of, of the bigness in the world and, and what's so terribly painful in the world. They're just busy being little people, right? And we delight mm. in that. We delight in that when someone is a little child. It's part of the delight of having little kids in our lives. And yet, if that's someone's space in the world, and, and we accept it, with, we, we, we have fun with it with pets too, don't we? Mm. And they're not. <laughs> but somehow, if a human being doesn't grow out of that, we're, we're somehow judging that life to be less valuable or I, I've never been able to understand that doesn't make sense to me I wonder what you think <laughs> obviously you, your son has a deeply meaningful life uh, from the outside he, he does he, he does and um, you know I I, I I will say amen to what you said about your three and five year old and 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 to and every life is precious to God. And so, um, you know, when I uh, meet people today and I, you know, from the book, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm in a little ministry too of giving hope to other people. You know, one of the first things that I, I think people need to know is they are deeply and dearly loved by God. He didn't put us here, uh, and that's the impaired ones, uh, that's the outsiders, that's the outcasts. Everyone is deeply loved by God, irrespective of what they're able to accomplish in this world. And I, and I think that that meaning of being deeply loved by God uh, gives us the inspiration we need to, to, to go as far as we can uh, in, 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 uh, as human beings. Um, my favorite passage with that, if you don't mind my quoting it, is, um, Do not fear. This is from Isaiah 43. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, Barry, Cheryl. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you, when you go through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Holy One, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, since you are precious in my sight, Barry, Bryson, Cheryl, since you are honored and I love you. I think if we can get just a taste of the reality of the way God that created us, created us and put us here on this world, how he really does feel about us, that will inspire us to become the best 
you know, Barry and Bryson and Cheryl and whoever put your name there says, I called you by name. You are mine. Uh, he's put us here and we have a purpose. And if we fulfill that purpose, what difference does it make? Who thinks, uh, who, who wants to, to, uh, categorize our life? Uh, uh, we are of value to heaven and up to God. So, so thank you, Lord, for putting us here. Help me to fulfill my destiny and my purpose. And I think my son Bryson has done that, and he's still in has the process that. of doing that. And it's my privilege We're, to be alongside him. As we all are, aren't we? Um, mm. You know, one thing that I thought would be valuable about having you on today is I, I know I must have uh, many people who listen who are who are practicing Christians, and there and there can be a sort of message of if you do everything right. Uh, everything will will come out well. Mm. And, uh, you know, this sort of um, be a good kid and you'll get a reward kind of uh, uh, spiritual outlook, which, of course, life tends to want to disprove that. And then what I mm. notice with people I work with, then they feel as if they must have not done good enough. And, yeah, and I, most- I appreciated... Mm in your book that you kind of took that on, that it's really not about reward. Um, mm. Rewards will come because it's life and sometimes there's an up, but struggle's part of it too. And that doesn't mean you failed somehow. Uh, you, you two didn't do anything for that to happen with your, with your son. Uh, you know, you didn't fail in any way. Life just happened, and uh, I think that's a really important message for all of us. I'll say amen to that. So glad you brought that up. And there are certain religions and cults and, and, you know, some some sects within Christianity, which I think are phony, that will tell you, you know, you just didn't believe enough. You didn't have enough faith. So now you're punishing people for for having... Right. And and, and thank you, Lord Jesus. You said, in this world, you will... Not you might, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So, yeah, we ought not to abuse people spiritually because they have hard times. This is what God predicted for us and told us very plainly would happen. So let's come back to that after after this break, because I think it's just so important. I work with cancer a lot, and, Mm. you know, there's always, uh, why did I get cancer? As Mm. if there's some... certain type of person who does certain things that gets cancer totally untrue so mm. it's important in my in my world too uh, great listeners, topic. Wh- look forward to it uh, on the break you can go to my website weatheringgrief.com or my host page at voice america and to and to uh find barry go to all the king's horses ministry.com back after the break Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm here with Barry Malazzo talking about the challenges that led to his passion for ministry, including his son's disability as the result of his regular childhood immunizations. And uh, we were talking before the break, Barry, about this thing that happens for people from all different traditions. To me, it's not associated with a particular religious or spiritual tradition, but this idea that if something goes wrong, you did something wrong. Um, Mm. uh, You know, that's so, maybe so tied to the idea that we can make everything go right, that um, certainly most of us are raised on a little bit in in US culture certainly mm. but um, mm. what what do you think helped you to uh, question that I guess or um, go go deeper and mm. uh, and believe that really uh, the best you could do was was absolutely enough uh, you know yeah which um, because I think people could use doorways into how to accept what goes wrong, and you've certainly dealt with that over a long period of time. Well, you know, this is, you know, as far as what has taught me that, I, I would very quickly say personal failure. And I, you know, as far as my faith, I, I, I needed to go deeper, and I needed to... I needed to realize I I could not bring false religious concepts into my life that had me jumping through you know fiery religious hoops. I just didn't have that in me. I you know my my kid was was brain injured. We had struggles in our marriage after a while. You know I you know part of my story is I I got sick later on and had you know. Uh, I honestly, I'm lucky to be talking to you today or anybody. I've, I've been taken out of my house on an ambulance in a, in a stretcher. I'm very fortunate to be alive. Uh, but I, I couldn't put 
you know, religion on my back and say, okay, now God wants me to perform something for him. It just didn't make any sense to me. Uh, and and a, 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 as you may have seen in my book, the best definition I've ever really seen for the gospel is we're all bastards, but God loves us anyway. And that could be seen as being irreverent, but to me it's, it's accurate because it's like, who are we? We just, I'm human. I fail like everyone else. I have sinned. But on the other hand, I need to do something with that sin. And that's one thing that when I found out from scriptures like the one we talked about before from Isaiah 43, that I'm precious in God's sight, I'm honored, and he loves me. It's like, well, okay, but I still have a problem. I don't do right. It's like, well, guess what? Don't go through the religious hoops. Don't try to make it on your own, because you can't. You can never expunge sin from your life. But guess what? I'm coming down, and this is why I'm a Christian. This is why I love Jesus Christ, and and I'm so thankful forever to God. He came down and said, I will pay everything you need. I will pay for your sins with my blood. And I believe that just as we're talking to each other here now. And and it doesn't get a whole lot more complicated than that. Um, Christ died for my sins. I know I'm human. I don't excuse things and then just go out and live like hell. But it's like, Lord, if you're going to love me that much, I want to be the best person that I can be so that I can help someone else come to know how much you love them and help someone else who's got no hope in the journey. And it's simple. And it's like when, when I said to, you know, my brain injured son could understand, you know, Jesus said, you must become like a little child to enter the kingdom of God. Don't get so sophisticated. You know, keep it simple. It isn't a whole lot more complicated than that. It isn't any. You know, we're not good. God is good. He loves us more than we could possibly understand. And he has provided for us. So thank you, Lord. Help me to live life with you. I'm not alone. I'm so thankful for that. I'm not alone. You're with me. And let's, let's walk forward and help me to fulfill the purpose that you have envisioned for me when you put me on this earth. So... Um, I don't know if that's exactly what you're, you know, asking, Cheryl, but I, I certainly think I see a lot of burdened well, people that come to me, and, I, and I, I like to unburden them and say, God doesn't want that burden on your back. You know, I, yes, for sure. I, I, I think um, humble self-love is, is a freedom in a way. Mm-hmm. To not to not be more than we are, yeah. We're, we just are human. <laughs> there's there's no Amen. perfect human, Amen. but um, to to kind of care about our care about ourselves anyway, and yes. um, that that leads us to maybe the tenderest topic in a sense because you are someone who um, believes very strongly in certain principles of, of Christianity and, and all this. So when you got to the part of the book where you were talking about the end of your marriage, in a way I felt that to be the biggest blow in the book. That may sound mm-hmm. weird. But to me, it, you, were, you were disallowed from fulfilling your, your promise in a way, let's say, which you weren't with yes. your son, actually. Uh, right. You've been doing that for 30 years now, haven't you? you so, uh, to me, that was um, must have been very, very hard to face. And I wondered if uh, that even maybe deepened uh, what we're talking about to an extent. 
Yeah. Because you because you really had to. You really needed it. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think I say in the book, and, and, and I will reaffirm here, there was nothing more devastating and crushing in my life, uh, including my son's brain injury, than, than the divorce. Uh, I don't go into details in the book. I won't go into details here. But it's a divorce that I didn't want. Uh, and, you know, as Christians believe, there were no biblical grounds for it. So uh, it was very hard to take uh, that my wife decided that that's what she wanted. And... Uh, I was I was completely crushed and devastated by it uh, for a long time, and this is where God's hope was put to the test, also, and God's grace was put to the test. Because now I was left essentially with three children in the home. I became uh, the you know the sole uh, guardian and, and parent of three. My daughter was 17 and on her way to college, just about, but she lived with us and still lived with us uh, for the next uh, seven years until she got married. Uh, and, uh, my two boys were in, you know, 12 and 14, Bryson 14 years old, but he was still a, he's still a child today at 30. So it's like, okay, I got these three kids. I can't do this alone. Bryson needs his food cut up, his shoes tied, his toenails cut. He wasn't toileting himself. I need to bathe him every day. It's like, this is a joke, right? That I need to do this alone. And it was just I was so far under the war line that I, I, I thought I was going to die. And yet, that's why I say, don't give up, look up. One of my other favorite per, uh, passages is from the Old Testament book of Isaiah 57, verse 10 says, You were tired out by the length of your road, yet you did not say, it is hopeless. You found renewed strength, therefore you did not faint. And so, you know, I believe there's an enemy in this world. Uh, the Bible says so, and I believe that. I believe it's Satan and his forces from hell trying to get us to give up. And, you know, there's a New Testament companion to that, Hebrews chapter 10, that says, we are not among those who shrink back to destruction, but among those who persevere to the saving of the soul. And so, you know, you can't live life with one decision, but you can make one decision at a time. You can take a put your foot forward and not give up and not sit down and say, pity for me. I'm done here. It's like, I had three kids. I couldn't, I couldn't be done. Maybe I would have been if it was just me, but I couldn't. <laughs> and God's grace. But something tells me not, me. something tells me not you're, you're pretty, um, I guess we could say resilient person. You know, you look for the way through. Uh, so I'll, I'll bet that it would have been harder in a way, but mm. I'll bet you would have done it anyhow. Well, I, I, I don't want to leave the impression that, that I didn't falter along the way. And you knew, you know, the story, you know, that I did. Uh, but you know, so, so for people out there and your listening audience who say, you know, well, look, this guy did this and he did that. It's like the personal failure. That's part of my story. And I hope I was honest about that throughout the book. Cause it doesn't, it's not going to help anybody. But, you know, when the Lord looked at me, it was almost like I was having conversations with him. He said, Barry, are you done yet? You know, I, you know, well, I gave up already, Lord. I gave up. He says, I know that, but I didn't give up on you, and that was yesterday. Today's a new day. Let's go. So to this day, one of Bryson's favorite passages, uh, also from the book uh, of Isaiah, uh, is this, I'm sorry, from Lamentations chapter 3, written by Jeremiah. This I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. 
great is your faithfulness. And if I woke up on any morning, Cheryl, and I thought that that wasn't true, I, I really would give up. Uh, but I, I know, I just am so convinced after all these years and struggles and travails that the Lord is who he says he is and that his grace and his spirit will help us to, 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 to move forward and that he does love us. Um, you know, Paul says something peculiar in the New Testament. He says, in Philippians 1.29, he says, To you it has been granted, for Christ's sake, not only to believe in his name, but also to suffer for his sake. And so it's like, okay, Lord, I, I would have never, uh, I would have never volunteered for this, but, you know, I didn't get a vote in it, so I'm going to go, and if you say it's a privilege uh, and you've granted me this, help me to go with you. If you're not going with me, I'm not moving forward, but if you're with me, I will move forward, and, and he's never let me down. I just want your people in your audience to know that, Cheryl. He has never let me down. I will praise him forever for bringing me thus far in the journey, and I... And as I wake up tomorrow, I'll be just as in need of his loving kindness and grace as I am, as, as I have ever been. You know, uh, obviously our, our experiences are hugely different, but one thing that uh, really uh, reminded me of my experience is living with a debility of some sort uh, for a very, very long time. Uh, mm. it, it so happens that the cancer that my wife had was very physically disabling, mm. and there is and there is something about time, and I I kept thinking about it as I was reading your book. There's something about living up against that for a long time that opens different doorways. This is what mm. I'm thinking, uh, because I mm. talk to people who. Uh, say got treatment but then they were okay or they quickly died or you know these different circumstances that happened kind of more more rapidly and it's a really different experience Um, so I resonate with what you're saying that um, there that something about facing up to difficulty uh, there is a beauty in that would you agree I, I, I would, I would. Um, and, you know, where do you get endurance? Um, because, like you say, the short-lived problems, they could be agonizing, they could be torturous, but they're short-lived. But when something goes on and on and on, or you think you're cured, and all of a sudden you're thrown back down to the mat, and there's a new set of problems that goes along with it, it's like, Lord, have I made any progress at all? I don't know if I can continue. And that's why, uh, as I as I see... Um, you know, uh, even through all the passages of the scripture and so-called heroes of the faith, they most of them had long-term problems. And problems. And hero is, at, at, it, we're going to have to leave it there for today, but it's a good place to leave it. Um, problems don't define a life, do they? <laughs> they may change a life, but don't define it. Thanks for being with They're me. They're opportunities, aren't they? And, and They you can know, be. To, to, from my perspective, Thanks. an opportunity to look up and to say, God, help me. So, uh, thank Cheryl, you. thank you for the help you're, hope you're giving to so many people, and thank you for the honor of being on your program today. Absolutely. Next week, I'll have Milk. She's a musician who wrote, whose song, Quiet, written to heal from her sexual and physical abuse, has become an anthem for speaking out against injustice. A video of a flash mob version of the song went viral after it was sung at the Women's March by 25 women with her. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week. 
for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.